Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Did you hear me burp? I did hear you burp, but that was about the only thing I heard. (laughs) (laughs) It was like silence, silence, silence. And then it was like, like, oh, okay, we're back. (laughs) I'm such a lady. My mom's going to be so proud. Welcome to the True Crime ABC's podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Sarah. Take a journey with us through our alphabet of true crime, one letter at a time. Listen through the end of each episode for reading recommendations and a sneak peek into what's going on in the podcast next week. This episode is supported by the letter N, and N is for neglect. By U.S. law, neglect is defined as the failure to provide adequate care, attention, or support to a person or in some cases to property. Often in cases of neglect, victims are also subjected to physical, verbal, emotional, and sexual abuse. The specific legal definition of neglect can vary depending on the jurisdiction and the type of neglect in question. Neglect is an umbrella term that may include child neglect, elder neglect, or neglect of dependent adults and or dependent adults with disabilities or special needs. Neglect can also include a lack of basic necessities such as food, shelter, medical care, or education. Unfortunately, child abuse and neglect are more common than most would like to admit. At least 15% or 1 in 7 children have experienced some type of child abuse or neglect in the past year in the United States. This is likely an underestimate because many cases are unreported. In 2020, 1,750 children died of abuse and neglect in the United States. Children living in poverty are even more likely to become victims of abuse and neglect Uh, Families experiencing poverty are under increased stress, which can then also increase the risk for child abuse and neglect. Um, Rates of child abuse and neglect are five times higher for children and families with low socioeconomic status. I don't super love this stat, but um, the information is important. Child abuse and neglect is medically expensive over a lifetime. In 2018, the cost to treat individuals who experience abuse or neglect was roughly $600 billion in the United States. This cost is similar to other major high-risk medical issues like diabetes and heart disease. In the short term, children who are abused or neglected may suffer injuries like cuts, bruises, or broken bones, in addition to the emotional and psychological problems like anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder. Per the CDC, over the long term, children who are abused or neglected are also at increased risk for experiencing future violence, victimization, and perpetration. Substance abuse, sexually transmitted infections, delayed brain development, lower educational attainment, and limited employment opportunities. Chronic abuse may result in toxic stress, which can change brain development and increase the risk for problems like post-traumatic stress disorder, learning attention, and memory difficulties. So let's get into the ways that we can prevent child abuse and neglect. These are all strategies that you can find on the CDC website. Um, The first thing is to strengthen economic supports to families. That could mean providing families with financial security or the means to become financially secure, Mm -hmm. as well as family-friendly work policies. 
Um, It could mean changing the social norms to support parents and positive parenting, which again, falls so much back on education and proper parenting education. That could also mean um, encouraging public engagement for education campaigns or finding legislative approaches to reducing corporal punishments at home and parents who use corporal punishment and whatnot. And then obviously providing quality care and education early in life. A lot of times that's going to mean VPK, um, Head Start, just being in a situation where adults are getting face-to-face contact with children every day, which means these people who are mandated reporters are then getting the opportunity to then be able to report abuse if they suspect it. So in addition to that, enhancing parenting skills to promote healthy child development. Amen. I I know, right? (laughs) Um, So that could look like early childhood home visitation. um, And then, of course, directly working with parents on parenting skills and family relationship approaches. We also have intervention to lessen harm and prevent future risk. So that's, of course, enhanced primary care. So making sure that those wellness visits are being met. Um, Again, getting you sort of in the face of mandated reporters, right? Um, Behavioral parenting, training programs, treatment to sort of lessen the harms of abuse and neglect exposure, um, as well as treatment to prevent problem behavior and later involvement in violence. To report child abuse or neglect, um, we'll obviously put a bunch of stuff in the show notes, but um, if a child is in immediate danger, please call 911, especially if it's a life-threatening situation. ChildHelpHotline.org also has an online chat to report abuse, or you can call or text 1-800-422-4453. To report abuse of adults or adult dependents, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children also has a tip line at cybertipline.org, or you can make a report by calling 1-800-THE-LOST or 1-800-843-5678. And this last thing is just a note from me. As an educator, I'm a mandated reporter. I'm legally required to report if I suspect mistreatment or neglect of my students. I have reported families many times, and I've regretted reporting exactly zero times. Even if I was wrong, I was doing what I thought was right by my kids, and I've never regretted it even when I was incorrect or they could not find evidence of abuse. There's like this weird understanding in our country that like people just don't want to get involved, and I don't think that's it. We need to get involved. If you hear your neighbor beating their children, make the call, period. Make a report. Like, it is everybody's responsibility to ensure that people are safe, that our communities are safe, and that our kids are safe. Mm -hmm. And that's the end of my sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, I can't remember where I was, which is just great. Um, It's perfect. Super back to my notes, which is a really good place to go. That <laughs> um, is a good start. That's a good place to start. It's a very good place <laughs> to start. When you read, you begin with ABC.
When you sing, you begin with do, re, mi, do, re, mi. Right. Oh, man. True crime do, re, mi's, bitches. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to be telling you a love story. Something tells me that that might be a little bit off. What, Danielle? No. <laughs> Maybe it starts as a starts as a love story. Maybe not ends so much as one. Well, don't you sound cynical. <laughs> David and Louise Turpin met when they were young. Uh, well, when Louise was young. Appar- some sources had said that they had known each other during childhood. But again, during Louise's childhood. Louise was born Louise Robinette in 1968. And she met David in their hometown of Princeton, West Virginia. They had a quick romance. They fell in love. Mm-hmm. Louisa's mom was perfectly fine with their relationship, mm-hmm. but Louisa's dad was not a big fan because David Turpin was 23 and Louise was 16. David was incredibly bright, went to Virginia or graduated from Virginia Tech and got a degree in engineering. Um, he was a Pentecostal Christian. So as part of their beliefs, they felt that God compelled them to, or God called on them to procreate as much as possible. Their job was to bring many children into the world. And so in 1985, David and Louise eloped and went to Virginia. Uh, that's really recent. That doesn't, that's. <laughs> Again, she was 16, so I assume it was maybe legal in Virginia, and that's why they didn't get married in West Virginia, but I'm not totally sure. Oh, David and Louise okay. would go on to have 13 children between 1988 and 2015. That's fun. <laughs> in 1989, David and Louise are living in Texas where David is working as an engineer. And he worked for some pretty reputable engineering places. So, for instance, like Lockheed Martin, who does aerospace engineering and things like that. And they were living in Texas when Louise gives birth to their first child. This is 1989. In Texas, they lived in a really nice house. They had really nice cars. And at this point, their life seemed kind of perfect They would fly out their families to come stay with them for a short time during the holidays. And the families would spend time with the kids. And their family said it seemed like they were perfectly happy that they were living like this privileged life. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they didn't see any issues with the home or with any of the kids. In 19... So at some point, the Turpins stopped inviting their family out. Um, especially around the late 90s. So in 1999, Mm -hmm. the family moved to a small city called Rio Vista, and it was an isolated area, less people. The neighbors sort of, you know, were friendly, but minded their own business, and they had a lot more land. The Turpins, and at this point their 10 children, (laughs) were living on just like a trailer on this large piece of land. And there were times when David and Louise would 
take the two youngest and go on vacation and leave the rest of the children to just fend for themselves, only bringing them enough food and groceries for a week, but not enough to feed everybody. And later the kids would describe this time as having a lot of starving, where they would literally eat ketchup and mustard or ice, which is uh, so awful. Um, At this point, the Turpins had neighbors and they actually had a neighbor who was a similar age and they would play together until the neighbor's mom started asking some questions because the neighbor's daughter had noticed the Turpins, like their hands were very, very pale. They were very white. And then she realized it was because the rest of them was so dirty In their house, it was viewed wasteful to wash above your wrists. Um, Jordan Turpin, one of the daughters, would later say that there were times where they would only bathe once a year, which is crazy. So you might be thinking, well, shouldn't these kids be in school? Ha ha. Yes. So the Turpins, David and Louise, actually created a fraudulent private school where the only students were, of course, their children. And they had actually, like, registered the school with the state as a way to get out of their kids, obviously, going to public school. Some of the older children actually, or maybe one of them, actually did go to Mm -hmm. school. And it was at when she was in school at some point that I think the Turpin's parents started to shift a little because... She was kind of known as a smelly girl and she had been getting made fun of. So David and Louise pulled her out and then that's when they had made their private school. Sounds like a tax write-off. I don't know. It just... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Sounds like some fraud. (laughs) The neighbor had said that the kids just looked very unkempt at this Mm -hmm. point. Like they... Penny, lie down. Don't be a doozy. Good girl. The neighbors had said, you know, there were concerns, but then the Turpin family no longer let the kids play outside and Mm -hmm. I guess kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, Those neighbors would later be interviewed for like 2020 and there's a documentary on Hulu that you can watch. Mm. Um, Hulu? No. NBC? someone. There's another documentary about the Turpin family that interviewed those neighbors. And, you know, in hindsight, everything's so much clearer in hindsight. But a lot of people who had seen things about the Turpins later came out and said, we should have said something. You know what I mean? So, ooh, it's really sad. By 2010, the family sells the ranch in Rio Vista. They pick up and settle into the town of Paris, California. Not P-A-R-I-S, P-E-R-R-I-S, California. When people, when the new owners of their Rio Vista house went in, they found feces and stains and beds that still had rope attached to them. Mm. There were a bunch of dead cats in the house. What? And there were scratch marks on the inside of the doors. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So, That's a whole lot of nope. No, thank you. The Turpins had 12 children and eventually had a 13th child who David and Louise adored. 
the la- this 13th baby, mm-hmm. and she would be their last child. The rest of the family, like Louise's sister and her half-brother, at this point had no contact with the family or limited contact, like text messages, mm-hmm. that's all. And Louise would send her sister pictures of the baby, and Louise's sister Teresa would say, well, like, send me pictures of the other kids, too. I want to see them. Yeah. Um, and... Louise's little sister, Teresa, was only three when David and Louise got married. So she was actually a pretty similar age to a lot of her nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. So she was like interested. She, you know, she wanted to know her family and see how the kids were doing, whatever. And the Turpins were very strange. So they were Disney adults, which is, you know, to each their own. There's a a level that I don't (laughs) understand to that. I love Disney, but. You know, I'm, I don't consider myself a Disney adult. So the Turpins, the, the kids never went outside. Except the parents would take them on these weird vacations. They'd go on these trips to Disneyland. All 15 of them would go to Disneyland. They'd dress in matching Disney shirts. They'd, like, the... This is one of the details. I, I don't know if I'm going to say these. Sorry, I don't know if I'm going to say these right, but... David and Louise had vanity plates on their cars. One was like a shortened version of Disneyland and the other one was like DL forever or something like stupid. Oh my gosh. So stupid. (laughs) They, uh, so uh, at one point David and Louise decided they were going to do a vow renewal in Vegas. The pictures from the, in the video from this is haunting. These children are so emaciated. I mm. cannot believe they would take them out in public. So again, their 12 existing children were so malnourished and skinny that baby was beautiful and chubby and roly-poly. Mm-hmm. You know, like the baby was getting fed. So they take their kids to Vegas. They do this vow renewal. It's absolutely gross. Also, David Turpin seemed to go with the... <laughs> Somewhere in between... Oh, my God. What are their names in Dumb and Dumber? Lloyd and... Oh, Harry. Harry and Lloyd's haircut. <laughs> David Turpin's somewhere in between those two. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, like, the length, but then the bangs of Jim Carrey situation, it's real bad. Yikes. Yeah, it's bad. He, It just... These pictures are so creepy and weird. All the girls are dressed exactly the same in, like, this weird kind of gingham magenta dress situation the boys are in suits with magenta matching ties it is very creepy and they did Mm. like an elvis wedding i'm surprised they wouldn't do like a mickey wedding why wouldn't they do it at disneyland i don't know i don't know maybe big elvis fans and they're tacky af they do this vow renewal and then i think people are starting to you know suspect them and david and louise they start planning for a move to Oklahoma. One of the two or Turpin daughters, Jordan, overhears her parents talking about the move and decided, I'm done. Jordan Turpin is 17 at this time um, in 2018. And the kids weirdly had access to like a phone that had been that was not attached to any service. Okay. They take pictures and and things like that of each other. And at some point had access to the internet because Jordan Turpin was obsessed with Justin Bieber. 
<laughs> like loved him, thought he was yeah. the bee's knees, you know? So in 2018, on January 14th, 2018, two of the Turpin girls leave the house together. The younger girl actually turns back and goes in because she's so scared. But Jordan was like, no, I'm doing this. She got, she just started running. She ran in for a while, for a little bit of time, got some distance away and called 911 on this deactivated phone that she had brought with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how she knew about 911. I'm going to assume the older Turpin children. Yeah. Who had, because some of, some of the children at this point were full adults, like well into their 20s. Right. You figure they were in a less isolated area before. Right. And they a, had, you know. some of them had been to school and I say, yeah. you know, 911 yep. and stranger danger yep. and all that. They must have heard something. So they must have told the younger kids about 911. Mm-hmm. So Jordan calls 911 and, oh my God, I have to read some of these transcripts. Um, and Jordan tells the dispatcher, and these are going to be quotes. So Jordan, I've never been out. I don't go out much. So I don't know anything about the streets or anything. Okay. I live in a family of 15 people and my parents are abusive. They abuse us. And my two little sisters right now are chained up. There's 13 kids and then a mother and a father. And the dispatcher says, and how many of your siblings are tied up? And Jordan says, two of my sisters, one of my brothers. And the dispatcher says, how are they tied up? With rope or with what? Jordan says, with chains. They're chained up to their bed. The dispatcher says, do you think anybody in the house will need to go to the hospital? Jordan says, I'm not sure. Sometimes we live in filth and sometimes I wake up and I can't breathe because how dirty the house is. The dispatcher says, when was the last time you had a bath? Jordan says, I don't know, almost a year ago, but sometimes I feel so dirty, I wash my face and I wash my hair. And the dispatcher asks, oh, this one like makes me truly want to just fall. Does anyone in the house take any medication? And Jordan says, oh, I don't know what medication is. And the dispatcher says, are you homeschooled? And Jordan says, no, we don't do school. Our mother tells people we're homeschooled. Our mother tells people we're private school and she has a fake private school set up, but we don't Mm. really do school. I haven't finished first grade and I'm 17 years old. Oh my gosh. Later in the call, Turpin or Jordan says to the dispatcher, I don't know much about my mother. She doesn't like us. She doesn't spend time with us ever. And these, all of these, this, the whole 911 call is available on... Um, like YouTube, you can hear a lot of it in the 2020 episode about this, the 2020 episode, which is called House of Horrors. Jordan has a very strange accent to her voice. Um, In fact, all the Turpin kids, all Mm -hmm. the older Turpin kids too, have a very strange kind of like affect to their voice. They almost sound like English language learners, Hmm. like they're overcoming an accent. It's... yeah. It's very strange, and I I'm sure there's some psychological background. But um, mm-hmm. while you have kids with a second grade education teaching other children, is the pro- I mean I'm sure that's right. what it is. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of things they didn't. Jordan didn't know what the police was. The dispatcher says, "Well, the police are on our way," and she's oh, like, "Well, God. what are the police?" Um, she didn't know what medication was. It is insane. Oh my gosh. So Jordan is freaking out, and the dispatcher saying, "Well, can you?" 
where are you at? And she, and the dispatcher is, is walking her through trying to figure out what a street sign is and oh how to gosh. read them. And so Jordan finds a street sign. She's able to tell the dispatcher where she is. And the dispatcher says, well, how far are you from home? And she tells her, I don't know. I just started running. And, and so Jordan starts trying to retrace her steps and get back to her house. And she is, she walks back to the house and is like oh, across God. the street. And I, I'm sure the dispatcher is just losing her mind, you know, just so terrified for this girl. I'm sure Jordan is absolutely and terrified. And so the police finally come and are talking to Jordan kind of near the home. Mm-hmm. And the police officer, I'm sure, was maybe skeptical and thinking this kid is, you know, maybe making something up. Mm-hmm. But you can, you know, he can see that she's very disheveled and unclean. And she has the phone where she has pictures of the state of the home inside, mm-hmm. pictures of the chains, pictures of the kids chained oh up. So Jordan is showing this police officer photos of conditions of the inside of the home. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department, which is the jurisdiction with which they're living in, mm-hmm. goes to the home stating that they are there for a welfare check. The parents, Louise and David, open the door. They answer the door. And Louise is simply perplexed as to why they're at the house. <laughs> of course she is. And the police immediately, when they open the door, encounter how bad the home smells. There's garbage everywhere. There's dead animals inside. There's moldy food. And every single surface is covered in garbage. While they're checking through the house, they find the other 12 kids. Um, one who had been shackled to their bed for weeks with no access to a bathroom. It also appeared that some of the other children had just been unshackled before the police arrived. I'm sure. Children were found with bruises all over their arms. They were very frail. They were caked with dirt and grime. Um, every single child, with the exception of the, t- the infant, were, were malnourished. So malnourished that the deputies thought that every child was under 18 hmm. when seven of them were all well into adulthood. Luckily, the house contained hundreds of journals written by the children that detailed their account of their lives. Well, good on them for detailing everything. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. The crimes that, that we could they could legally charge them with mm-hmm. um, relate back to the neglect and yeah. the physical abuse where the children did report that the parents beat them, strangled them. At least one of the older children accused of their father of sexually abusing them. Nearly all the Turpin children had a basic knowledge of the world, a very limited vocabulary. I mean, just completely extraordinary outside of mm-hmm. any circumstance any of the police officers had ever experienced. Okay. Um, so David and Louise Turpin were charged with 12 counts of torture, 12 counts of false imprisonment, Seven counts of abuse on a dependent of a dependent adult. One of the oldest children was 29. And when they raided the home, she weighed 82 pounds. Gosh, One of the 12 year old children had an arm circumference that was that of a four month old baby. It is vile and absolutely horrific. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, David also received an additional charge of a lewd act on a child under 14. 
And they were held in lieu of bail being posted, which the media reported was set at like almost 10 million, I think, Mm -hmm. for Louise and a little bit more for David Turpin. David was eventually charged with perjury in relation to affidavits he filed with the California Department of Education regarding their quote unquote private school. What? That's so weird. Yeah. And Louise's attorney actually requested for Louise to be put under a pretrial diversion program for mental health treatment, Mm -hmm. which the judge denied. You don't deserve mental health treatment, I guess. Like, you have done so much to your children. You don't get any help yet. We're going to try you first. Um, On February 22nd of 2019, David and Louise each changed their not guilty pleas to guilty. Um, to one count of torture, three counts of willful child cruelty, four counts of false imprisonment, and six counts of cruelty to an adult dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, both were sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Most legal experts predict that they will never be granted parole due to the severity of their crime. I was going to say, I can't imagine. Yeah. So David was originally sent to the Mule Creek State Prison before finally being sent to the California State Prison. And Louise is in the Central California Women's Facility. In the aftermath of this, after trial, the children, um, all the children spent two months in a hospital just being renourished and treating any old injuries, things like that. Most of the children were put in foster homes. Mm -hmm. The older adults, I hesitate to call them adults because they Mm -hmm. had never been independent, were kind of left to fend for themselves, which is very, very sad. In October 2019, it was found that five of the younger children had been adopted by an abusive foster family who further tortured and tormented them. What? Yep. That foster family was arrested and charged with child abuse for their care. Um, In early 2020, which I'm going to take this all with a grain of salt, the Riverside County Deputy District Attorney reported that the children were living independently, working and going to school, and that one Mm -hmm. of them had even graduated from college. Some of them are doing okay. I know at some point, Teresa, uh, Louise's sister, had tried to adopt some of them, but has five children of her own and was unable and was unable to mm-hmm. and Louise's half brother also was in attempting to adopt I'm not sure how that's going yeah. but I know that uh in the summer late spring early summer of 2022 the Turpin siblings filed lawsuits against California's Riverside County Superior Court and against the foster care that had placed them nice um yep Again, they were trying to sue the Mm -hmm. uh, Superior Court that had placed them. I know that at some point there was like a GoFundMe or one of those for the Turpin family. And that money Mm -hmm. was put in a trust that I don't believe any of them have been able to access. So I do know that Jordan Turpin, that brave, amazing girl who risked her life to escape and save her siblings... Um, she does have a YouTube channel. I don't think she posts very often, but she was able to go to a Justin Bieber concert, which awesome. I, is, I think is adorable. And um, she and her older sister, Jennifer, were both interviewed for a 2020 special, which is so worth the watch. 
Mm-hmm. Um, again, they have a very strange voice affect. Their accent is is just very different to anything yeah. I've heard. But they look healthy and they look happier than obviously living in a neglect mm-hmm. cesspool of a house with their freaking awful parents. They have been the, a source of inspiration for a Law & Order SVU episode and a an episode of Evil Lives Here, mm-hmm. on I think, which is on ID. Yeah. Um, it is super sad. I wish them all the best. Um, yeah. I'm fairly certain there are multiple places people can go to to um, support the Chirpin siblings. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they're getting that money and... And doing the best they can. And yeah. also, fuck David and Louise Turpin. And David's bad haircut. Yeah, there's a special, special spot in hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Flaming pineapples. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Lacey Fletcher, who was a 36-year-old woman who lived mm-hmm. with her parents in a little town called Slaughter, Louisiana, which oh, is yikes. a terrible... Terrible name. Awful name. (laughs) Like, who thought, you know what? Let's move to slaughter. Nothing bad will happen there. I'll take you a step back. How about, hey, we're putting a new town together. What should we call it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, 500 people died right here. I am sure. Let's call it slaughter. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Louisiana. 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 Um, We'll have to figure it out. We'll have to look at the uh, origin story and post that for you guys. (laughs) History of beautiful slaughter, Louisiana. Oh, goodness. So, um, so Lacey lived with her parents there. Um, She was on the autism spectrum, but that didn't start to affect her until late, like in her teen years. Okay. And then she also suffered from basically like nearly complete paralysis Mm-hmm. Known as oh. lock-in syndrome, which, again, uh, is a terrible, terrible thing. Sounds like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like sleep paralysis all the time. It's That not, sounds yeah. awful. Yep. Yes. For anybody who's ever had sleep paralysis, um, you know this is a firm pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no good. <laughs> January 3rd, 2022, which is pretty recent, um, yeah. she was found dead on her parents' couch. Uh, um yeah so sad. when i say she was on the on the autism spectrum she for the most part was a normal kid like i said mm-hmm. till around ninth grade when her parents actually started homeschooling her at that time because she was struggling so much in school right um so she became more and more reclusive as time went on and apparently started to get really really severe anxiety about actually leaving um mm-hmm. the house and then ultimately her parents said that this anxiety centered around leaving the actual couch itself. How did this get so bad? This is sort of how it progressed. Right. Um, you know, to the point where Lacey was not wanting to even leave the couch. Mm-hmm. This is where it starts to like, not really make sense because they start to set up a small toilet. They continued to bring her meals. They cleaned her wounds and dressings. I guess in my mm-hmm. mind, why did it get to the point where there were wounds? And we didn't, like, have somebody intervene. Yeah, like, you didn't call a, so, a home nurse situation? Well, so, apparently, the parents <sighs> tried to consult a doctor at some point along the way. Like, how can we get help? But mm-hmm. there was never really anything done after that. 
after the, the sort of inquiry to the doctor. Right. So anyway, how when her body was actually found, she was sitting partially upright, sunken into a hole that had been worn from years of sitting in the same spot oh, in the same position. God. She was obviously God. emaciated. She weighed she only... She must have been in excruciating pain. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. I, my whole body hurts when we finish recording. <laughs> and I've only been sitting here for 40 minutes. <laughs> I like, know oh. I, it's so yeah we'll we'll get into some of that mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but she was emaciated at the time of her death she weighed less than 100 pounds oh. uh, and she was positive for COVID-19 oh poor thing so the other part of this is that she was covered from head to toe and obviously like urine feces and bug bites right so much so that it was matted into her hair and even in her nostrils. Oh. So like, how, oh man, again, that, oh, that makes me nauseous. I, so oh. we're talking about neglect this week and I, I just, I feel like there are some maybe missing pieces to this puzzle because I don't understand how, again, how it gets how that bad and anybody how anybody get there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just have a really hard time wrapping my brain around it. Um, so Anyway, when when Lacey was finally found, she was severely malnourished. Um, and when the autopsy was done, they found bits of like couch foam in her stomach. Oh, um, like she had been eating it. There's a name. Is that Pika? I don't know. No, I think Pika is where you pull your hand. Let me so, look this up because that like that's a thing. I think pulling the hair is like tricked to something. Yeah, pika is a condition where people compulsively eat things that aren't food. Well, I'm, but I'm wondering if she was so neglected, like if they stopped feeding her at some point. Right. Right. Oh, like, and, she, and she was right, starving. And then, but usually I think pika comes from a traumatic event Yeah, well, where people huh. eat things that are not, well, which, you know, being locked inside your body and having nobody take care yeah. of you, that might be it. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. It's like just, it just, oh, that ga- I have goose, I have goose yeah. bumps right now. Like it just, oh my gosh, that poor poor human she was obviously not leaving the the couch using the bathroom there all of that she had um she had ulcers all over her body some of some of the ulcers worn down basically to the bone oh my god so again you talk about how much pain she was probably in yeah um as somebody who has ulcers (laughs) all through my colon yeah they're not a blast i just again we talk about the how does it get there all of that um Mm -hmm. and the floor so like um, i i just imagine this house i have no idea how people could even live in there but no the floor underneath nose like nose i have no idea i mean you would have to be yeah. But yeah. the floor underneath the couch was so warped because of all the liquid, which the investigators Ugh. obviously assumed was urine. But it was it was terrible. And the investigators uh, said that they couldn't really even describe what they were seeing when they found her. And the best description that they had was that she was melting into the couch, oh. which is like oh awful. Oh, my God. You're just like alive and decaying. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely yeah. absurd. I hope it's like, yeah. I again, we've discussed the death penalty. This is one of those times where I'm like all for well, it or not even death penalty, but like a cruel and unusual punishment right. is necessary here. Like her parents should be strapped to a couch and left there to die in their own decaying tissue. Yeah, like it's, fuck those people. Well, 
Yeah, just wait. We'll we'll get there. We'll talk oh about. Oh my that. god. Okay. So sorry. And like, I know mental no. health is for sure gonna play There's... something into this, but like, at, there is no excuse. You yeah. brought this human into the world, and that is how you let them leave it. It's Absolutely just, not. Yeah. Of course, on the scene, the smell almost knocked out investigators. They described right. it as the smell of rot, which yeah, I don't know. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow nope. the parents had grown used to the smell and Yuck. continued to live in the house. Like they mm-hmm. weren't, they hadn't like isolated themselves completely right. from her. So it's just so, I like, I have so many questions about the floor plan of the house. Like, where was this couch in relation to all of the other living areas? Did mm-hmm. they have people over? Like, there's no way they could have had company over. No. Oh, one other detail that I did not mention yet. Lacey oh was on the couch for uh, approximately 12 years of her life. So, And she was 36, you yeah. said? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's about to be me. So um, it's oh just, it's like a horrendous. Years. When you think about the amount of time that that would have had to be going on in the house. And then oh for the parents to actively, I mean, you would have had to actively hide that, right? Uh, oh, 100%. So, like there is... Like, something fraudulent occurred there in addition to just the absolutely vile crimes of neglect and letting your child die. But, yeah, there's no... Like, she she had to have had doctors prior to that. Yeah, yep. Um, At the time of her death, they said that she hadn't seen a doctor in approximately 20 years. Oh, my God. Again. I I don't, I don't know. Uh... This is just, it's a crazy, it's a crazy, crazy story. It like, oh, it breaks my heart. So oh you might gosh. be wondering about the parents. <laughs> uh, so <sighs> Clay and Sheila Fletcher, uh, how did they allow this to happen? Are they in prison? What's going on? So um, Clay and Sheila were essentially like pillars of the community, of course. Oh, they always of are. Of course. So Clay. Ass <laughs> Clay worked for nonprofits, um, mm-hmm. and then he most recently was serving on the board of the Baton Rouge Civil War Roundtable uh, oh. nonprofit, mm-hmm. and um, ultimately ended up resigning from that position, obviously. And oh, after one all of this hope. came out, yeah. <laughs> uh. and Sheila, this is, I think, one of the other things about this case that like drives me up a, a wall. So mm-hmm. Sheila, Lacey's mother. Oh my God, please don't be a teacher or oh, something no. child Oh, no. Oh, just, just, just. <sighs> so she was, um, she was formerly a police and clowny, uh, clowny, I'm sorry, a police and county clerk in Baker, Louisiana. Absolutely and not. the most recent position she held was an assistant to the city prosecutor in Zachary, Louisiana. So uh, the fact that you don't love literally that. go in and see cops every single day, like you, you don't have an opportunity to say something to someone ever at some point where like you you need help with your daughter. I don't know. Uh, I don't love it. That is... So no, don't don't love that. Don't love that for any of them. And you would think you said earlier that they would be, you know, sort of going down this route of like mental health or some type of thing like that. And right. The Fletchers, they have stood by their ground. They, you know, Lacey never complained about her condition. And what else did they say? Oh, (laughs) when they were getting questioned around some of the things they their attorney uh, said, quote, 
they don't want to relive the pain of losing a child through the media. They've been through a lot of heartache over the years. Anyone Ugh. who has lost a child knows what it's like. So, like, it's their fault. It's, yeah. Uh, they also posted to Facebook after Lacey's death. Mom and dad love you so much. Like, it, there's, it's just such a weird. Lacey just said she wanted to be on the couch forever, and you guys were like, okay, cool. <laughs> to the point where it was destroying your house and killing your child. I don't know. I, no. There's, no. it's just so Mm-mm. amiss. <laughs> I think so. I think the part that really gets me is like, she was old enough that. It wasn't like she was in school and people were seeing her every right. day. Oh, you know, like there there were people I, that said that they had no idea these people even had a daughter. Oh, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. So how? OK, I don't know if you know this answer, but if she if Lacey had not seen a doctor in so long, how did they know she had locked-in syndrome? So this is where it gets a little bit questionable. So they continue to call what she had locked-in syndrome in a couple different sources. But Mm -hmm. there was one quote from a doctor that I found that basically said, like, no, she didn't have that diagnosis. Everyone's calling it that. But she had autism and this. I can't remember what the other one is. I'll have to see if I can find the specific quote. I mean, it seems almost more like a debilitating phobia than right. like a nerve because because locked in syndrome is like a nervous system thing yes. like you your body physiologically cannot move yeah and i don't know if it truly was ever diagnosed as locked right true locked in syndrome Ooh, so that is pretty crazy, crazy. Sauce. so um the parents <laughs> they uh <laughs> charges were brought in may of uh-huh. 2022 they, they were arrested they Good. made bail and they Ugh. were out on bail just waiting trial and then and just like in the end of the scary movies they got hit by a truck <laughs> crossing the street you would think that but no uh, <laughs> so the universe has no sense of humor and a lot of other you know similarly to a lot of the other stories the charges <laughs> were actually dropped um, but it was due to an error in the paperwork and they okay. the charges were brought again in, actually okay. in june of 2023 parents were arrested again they both made bail again so they're basically why out are they giving people these people bail? waiting trial waiting for trial. still do we have do they have an uh, um i don't i a, couldn't any find trial one. date i couldn't find one so i so. hate these people yeah to quote 10 things i hate about you with the fire of a thousand suns thank yeah. you uh so lacy it was basically revealed after the autopsy that lacy did did uh, ultimately die from se- sepsis that was brought on by severe medical neglect, chronic yeah. malnutrition, acute starvation, immobility, acute ulcer formation, and a bone infection called osteomyelitis. Uh, oh, girl. So, yeah, a horrible, horrible Ugh. list of things that obviously take time to develop, right? Like, yeah. Again. Like at least 12 years. I mean, yeah. come on. That is... Yeah. Like her parents... It's going to be very interesting to see if they, if they like publicize the trial. I hope it's like a Jodi Arias situation where you can watch literally every moment Mm -hmm. of court. Yeah. Because I will be tuning in. Like these people deserve to rot literally just like they let their girl do. That is, 
Hi, I hate it. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome for that. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, that was a crazy, crazy story. My book rec this week is called The Family Next Door, The Heartbreaking Imprisonment of 13 Turpin Siblings and Their Extraordinary Rescue by John Glatt. And it's basically just an in-depth overview of the story and um, gives a lot of specific details and evidence and things. It's a it's a good solid read. Nice. My book rec this week book is called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Uh, it's written by Jean-Dominique Bobby. Mm-hmm. And the man who wrote this book supposedly also had the, not supposedly, he did have the condition mm-hmm. that Lacey in my story uh, supposedly had. So that same lock-in, posi- uh, lock-in uh, syndrome. Yep. So this is actually his take on his life um, once he was diagnosed with this syndrome. You might be thinking, how did he write a book mm-hmm. if he was unable to move and completely immobile? Right. And apparently it was written by... So he had a, an associate helping him write the book. Like transcribing? Not so much. Yes. I was going to say, he, they didn't help him write the book, but they were transcribing and, and physically helping. Mm-hmm. So um, apparently there was a system where they would use the alphabet. And then once they got to the letter that the author needed, he would blink Oh my God! And so it took over like two hundred thousand, yeah. two hundred thousand blinks to write like a certain, a very small chunk of the book. So oh it's, gosh. it's insane. That is <laughs> um, crazy. Very interesting book. Very interesting read. Uh, but again, it's a similar take on someone who actually was able to speak once they had this condition or speak out about wow. the condition. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Next week's episode will be supported by the letter O. Check us out on social media and give us your best guesses on what our theme for next week will be. If you'd like to hear more from us, please check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon at True Crime ABC Podcast, or email us your thoughts, ideas, and listener stories to truecrimeabcpodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Check us out. Yeah. (laughs) And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.